You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Okay, Tim, I have to agree with David on this one. You're doing Twitter wrong. Twitter, Twitter's not about conversations. It's about, you know what? I use Twitter in place of RSS feeds. I follow all kinds of crazy people of various topics, some that I probably agree with, some that I probably don't, and I use it as a news feed. I get all my news, almost all my news from Twitter now. I hardly follow any RSS feeds manually. It seems ancient and antique to do so. I just think you can't use Twitter like Facebook. You have to use it like Twitter. And for me, it's best for links and quick up-to-date news, what's going on in the world, and hey, here's a great article you might want to read that you know you might not have found otherwise. And and I, I do that. I don't use Google Reader anymore. I can't remember the last time I fired up an actual RSS reader. I do have some of my Google Reader feed. I do have my Google Reader feeds plugged into Flipboard, and I do look at that sometimes. But, you know, honestly, 99% of the time, it's Twitter that I use for news. So I don't know. That's just how I use it. I side with David Cohen on this one. Sorry, but that's just how it is. Tech fan number 86. I am Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. Hello. Now, uh, usually David is much more upbeat. The problem right now, quite honestly, is as we're getting ready to watch the Olympics, um, David is getting ready to compete in the weightlifting and uh, the high jump. So, uh, you know, yeah. it takes a lot you out know, of you, David. Well, especially when you're trying to do it at the same time. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, you were so close four years ago in breaking that world weightlifting record. I thought you had it, but... Well, you know what? I've been practicing. I've been practicing, and uh, you know, all you got to do is uh, is tr- is try and go for it. So, right at the beginning of the show, you guys heard Scott Wilsey from Pocket Size Podcast talking about Twitter. We talked about this two weeks ago, David, and uh, it was kind of a, a little bit of an offhand comment that I made that I don't use Twitter that much anymore. And uh, I listened to David, or I'm sorry, I listened to Scott's comments that perhaps I'm using it wrong. Uh, I don't. I've never used Twitter for my news feed. Never. No, and and I know a lot of people do do that. Um, and we've you've got apps like Flipboard, which can kind of turn your Twitter feed into something that's even more like a like an RSS or, or a or a newsreader. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of do use it that way. I don't either. Not, and I, I guess it. I mean, like, like all these things, it depends who you're following, exactly what you're doing with it. You'd have to follow pretty much every uh, news site you're interested in in order to use it for that. The difficulty I always have with with that approach is that um, I like to kind of read my news and keep, you know, keep my place with where I'm up to, and then come back later. And an RSS reader application makes that easy for me, whereas Twitter doesn't because it's a constantly moving stream. And of course, as well, Twitter gives you everything in one feed. So if you if you also have a group of people who may be a family and you want to keep up with what they're doing, or you have some people who you follow because you think they're funny um, or interesting or, you know, kind of do commentary type stuff, that's going to be mixed up in your, in your news feed. And, and, you know, I guess for some people that's okay, but it doesn't really work for me. So I'm, I'm still hooked to the Google Reader thing. I just visit a lot of websites when I want to get news. Yeah. I, hit, I hit, you know, on a daily basis, I hit probably... When, I'm talking about just news here, by the way. Something's going on with my phone. What is going on? Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe ten news websites in a day, and I like yeah. to get a, a pretty good eclectic mix of them. But eh, I don't know. I'm not convinced, Scott. Plain and simple. Well, I, you know, each their own. Um, yeah. I think different things for different people. The, the difficulty I have with Twitter is with the 140 characters. Some people will post a link to a news story but they won't actually really tell you what it is and with the link shortening you can't even really see where it is or what it is so then you have to click on the link to read it uh, and then if you want to read it offline or something you'd have to send it to Instapaper or something like that or to your reader list um, and kind of that just as a workflow that doesn't really work for me but I, you know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, that Scott is wrong or whatever works best for him you know Oh, absolutely, and uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm saying that doesn't work for me. I've tried it that way, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you uh, you caught the latest episode of App Minute, David. I actually did an App Minute. Cool. It's a uh, podcast at appminute dot com. Uh, John Nemo usually does it. It used to be done by Sam Levin. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Sam Levin lately, 
But John Nemo kind of uh, restarted it back up, and he's been doing a fantastic job. But I came across a game that I was so excited about, David, that I actually went and bought, and I played it, and I beat it in one day. Not because wow. it's easy, but because I was kind of obsessed with this game. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm just going to sit down, and I'm going to record a, a, a three-minute app minute review. The game's called Emergency. You guys can hear that at appminute.com. It's at minute number 231. It's called Emergency. The picture up on the site is a little airplane burning. Uh, are you familiar with this uh, game at all, David? I've not seen it, no. Um, I'll give you a, a brief, because I don't want to rehash the app minute thing here. Um, but in essence, you are you control uh, emergency crews. And a disaster hits, and your job is to go in and put out fires, uh, send your doctors and then your paramedics in to, to help people, and control the situation. So it's pretty much just the opposite of every other objective in every other video game which is usually to blow stuff up or kill people and you know look I, i'm not opposed to those games i i love <laughs> i love the yeah. gta games but this is kind of a nice change it's it's different it's very much micromanaging which i don't usually enjoy too much but i do enjoy this and uh i you know if if i was writing a review of this up on the mymac site i would probably give it a nine out of ten um, cool. Only because there's only like 13 levels, and it doesn't look like it, currently that there's any way to do in-app purchases for more designed levels, which is what I want. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just a fun game. And you say it's called Emergency. I'm, it's called I'm wondering Emergency. Whether it's, I'm wondering if it's not on the UK store, because I can't see it on my phone. Um, uh, go to App Minute and follow the link there. Yeah. Because it should that. redirect you to the UK site but yeah. i'm pretty sure it's, it should be in the english the uk's uh itunes store i know it's in germany uh i believe the company is actually from germany um no it's it's a great game you got to check it out i will certainly do that i and mean it, it well that um that splash screen you put up on the uh on the site is pretty impressive it's it looks neat yeah. I, I you, you can't get too close to the action really um, the animation's no, you, you, not great, but it, that's not really the point of the game. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um, I found myself like, going it, back... It looks, Go ahead. I was going to say, it kind of looks a bit like um, like Red Alert for emergencies. Yeah, kind of. Like Command and Conquer, you know. Yeah, it is that kind of... Uh, the, the the artwork is does lend itself to that. Um, I found myself going back to the same levels... Because I want to get the gold medal. And I've got gold on probably, not quite half, but pretty close. Probably five of the levels. Maybe six now. I've got gold. And you get bronze, silver, or gold. <laughs> Speaking of the Olympics. Yeah. And uh, I, I've got gold on quite a few. And it gets a little hokey at the end. Um, so the emergencies, the, two, the last two emergencies are like, yeah. But I still, I just had a great time. It's a fun game. And it's been a long time since any game on the iPad really captured my attention. I mean, just grab uh, me. yeah. Oh, that's probably why you're not seeing just it. Just well, I can't see it because it's iPad only. It is, and it's uh, the newer, it's, iPad. it's iPad 2 or 3 newer. It, yeah. it, it actually won't run on the first iPad. Which is, I mean, it's not a complex game graphically, so I don't know why that, that limitation's there, but, you know, for what it is, I loved it. Um, speaking of games, David, a new game came out uh, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Tuesday night. Um, Field Runners 2. Now, I just just downloaded it just before <laughs> yeah. we start recording. Now, unfortunately, it looks like there's it's only iPhone. Uh, you could play it on the iPad, but you got to you know do that times two thing, which is what I did. Yeah. Um, Field Runners, David, honestly, was the very first game that made me sit up and take notice of how good games could be on the iOS platform. Uh, this was, of course, before the iPad. It was iPhone only at the time. This was one of the first generation of iPhone games. And it's, you know, it's tower defense, but just the mechanics and the artwork and the sound effects, it was just first rate. And I wondered for a long time, you know, it, it seemed like they kind of abandoned the game uh, on iOS because I saw it come out on all the platforms, you know, um, I know it came out on PlayStation 3 
or PlayStation Network, I guess. It was on PSP. You can get it for a PS Vita. Um, it, it came out everywhere, which is good because, you know, obviously it was selling, but I kept thinking, when are they going to come out with a new version? And are they going to kind of forsake the iOS platform now that they're having big success over on these other platforms? Well, uh, about a month ago, I was, wa- I was reading uh, Touch Arcade, and they had a story about Field Runners 2, and of course it's coming out initially on the iOS platform. So I was really happy, I was really looking forward to it, and then it kind of dropped off my radar, I didn't hear anything. Showed up brand new, um, and I bought it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. buy, I think it was what, two ninety nine. Yeah. Something like it was. It's cheap. And uh, I've played the first level and a half. I'm at level 26 on the second level. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting in that, you know, they, they've kind of... There's a lot. The first one kind of just dumped you in, yeah. and uh, you kind of had to figure it out. Uh, and once you figured it out, that was that was great. But you know, you it, the learning curve is fairly steep. It looks just having a quick look at this one. It just looks like they're, um, you know, they're already kind of guiding you towards how to play. Only on the very uh, first level, which I like. Yep. And and the core mechanics are all still there, uh, yeah. but they add a couple things. Um, but of course, I haven't really got to any of the new things. One of them, though, is landmines. They're limited use. It shoots like five times and it's done. But it's kind of like, oh crap, I, I didn't protect this area good enough and they're going to get through. I'll drop a landmine over there real quick. I like that concept. That's really good. I like that. And there's also a rewind time. It takes it back like 10 seconds or something. Right. That's a great idea. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, oh crap, I just messed up. I'll rewind this. And you can only do it a few times, but still. Um, and you buy these things through the coins in the game that you collect as, as you're doing good. So it's, I, I think it's a great idea. I'm really looking forward to playing through the game. I know it's going to be my next obsession for a while. Because the first yep. one was, and I already beat Emergency. So, <laughs> And I tried, you know, here's the other thing. I, I downloaded, not to make this all iOS gaming episode, but it is what it is. Um... I actually downloaded the Civilization game. Yeah. I've tried them on my Mac, and I just never really got into it. It felt like I was missing... I felt stupid. Let me put it that way. Like, wait a minute, I did this and this, but this didn't work. I don't understand. It doesn't explain to me why this didn't work. But I thought, I'm going to try it on the iPad. So I spent like 3 or four ninety nine for this game. And I played the first level, or... I, it's not even levels, it's just I played it. And I thought I was doing really good, and then, boom, it pops up, and I lost. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, I just took over these other cities over here, and I, how did I lose? So, I, I don't know, I still feel like I'm missing something. It, that's a game that does not hold your hand well enough. No. I, I think it's designed for those who've played it for years on uh, PCs, and wants to now play it on the iOS platform, or Android if it's there. And uh, I, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, but it, isn't that I, that is a problem with with games that have been out for a long time? Is the accessibility of them? You know, if you look at the um, you know the the first person shooter games, those can be really hardcore. Particularly if you want to get into online gaming, we've all had that experience where you've tried to play online and, and literally you end up in a in a unit where. You know, all the other guys playing kind of have been playing it for hundreds and hundreds of hours, and you just get murdered, yeah, literally murdered over and over again. So, um, you know, that that can be a real problem about the accessibility of something that that's you know very hardcore and and is has been going for a long time. And I think that developers would be wise to address this because, you know, at least as far as games are concerned. It's all about that next generation of gamers coming up. You know, right now, uh, like my daughter and your son, um, they've been playing for a while, but they don't know the games that we played as, uh, you know, younger, when we were younger. And so if someone's going to recreate some of those games, this next generation of gamers are going to need help to get up and running on them. And if you don't provide that in your game... It's not going to be a big success, for, or at least it's going to be limited in success. And that's unfortunate, because some of these games are totally worth playing. Um, Definitely. 
I've been playing, and I bought this a couple years ago, honestly. But I don't, and I don't know why I decided to play it again. But I picked up uh, and started playing Pac-Man Championship Edition on the Xbox 360. Um, I think we've sorry to say that again because you dropped out there. Yeah, the 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 Pac-Man Championship Edition on the right, Xbox okay. 360. I think you said you've played that too, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I started playing that and uh, again, and I forgot how. What's the word I'm looking for? Clumsy and inaccurate. Uh, that type of game controller is for a game like Pac-Man, especially yeah. when it really starts speeding up. It doesn't feel as responsive as an old school joystick, but I'm still having fun playing it. So that's something. Yeah, isn't there meant to be um, some new stuff coming out for the uh, from the arcade people to uh, kind of uh, let you? Because the problem with the original arcade was that it was like a like it turned the iPad into an arcade unit, but that wasn't much fun if you if you had a, a your iPad in a dot in a kind of in a case or something like that. So I thought at CES they announced they were going to do a whole load of different controllers that didn't have those limitations. I thought I saw something like that too, but I haven't seen any follow up. No, so um, let's go go and take a look for that. I know I on can really, live. I oh, we can really do something with that. Because well, I, I, yeah, I could admit, I play a lot of games on my uh, Xbox 360, but I, I really wish I could play more on my iPad. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's something that when I'm sat around the house, I always have it with me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is, a, it is a bit of a, a kind of getting in the way because you don't have the kind of controller you'd be after. Uh, and, you know, I don't think there's any good solution to that because... If it's just a handheld handheld controller, what do you do with the iPad? Do you prop it up somewhere? Um, yeah, I guess that's what you have to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I th- I still think that there's a market out there for someone really smart to come up with a really good gaming case for the iPad that you would just slide it in, and it would be Bluetooth, and it would give you some physical controls. I. You know, yeah, I, kind, I think the problem kind of like you know, there's all these um, Bluetooth keyboard cases now for the yeah, iPad. Exactly, the same sort of thing, but with uh, game controls instead. Right, it's something that you could both hold and you could hold the iPad up with it, or flip it and you can use it as more of a tabletop. I don't know. I just think that there's a there's a huge market and no one's done it right because I think everyone looks at traditional game controllers and they're trying to replicate that on the iPad or the iPhone without stopping to realize, wait a minute, there's no rules here. Why don't we come up with something totally different and unique? Now, I like the iCade idea, but it's, you know, it's borrowing ideas from the 1970s. There's nothing unique or new there. I'm talking about something totally different. Now, what I do like, and I wish they would release it, and I don't think Apple's going to let them, is the OnLive system, that it literally streams console-quality games to your iPad. And it comes with a little Bluetooth controller that's just like a, a Xbox or a PS3 controller. And I've seen video of people playing with uh, with the online controller and the games on their iPad. Um, and it was just working. It, it was PS3 games. It was Xbox 360 games. And it looked fantastic. And I said, I want to play those. And yes, I know it's going to cost me more money, but so what? I want to play them. But I think yeah. that's probably going to be the issue. Apple's not going to allow it because how do they make their 30%? You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, there's definitely been some issue with that because it was announced ages ago and uh, they had demo units available and then it's all gone quiet. And whenever anybody's asked on live, they've kind of changed the subject. Yeah. Well, here's an idea for them. Why don't they make the controller itself, the system, and use the iPad as simply a monitor? There's an idea. Yeah, definitely. That, that That's around it. it. Yeah, I I would totally buy it for that. But let's take our first break, break here, David, and uh, listen to another sh- uh, ad for the uh, for the network, Stoplight Network. If you're interested in becoming a podcaster, or you already have a podcast and you would like to join the Stoplight Network, send us an email, Tim at mymac dot com, and we'll chat. In the meantime, check out this show. Scott, can you fix me up? Um, that might be easier said than done, but okay, who with? With John Nemo. Uh, yeah, Nemo's already married and has a grown daughter? No. I mean, fix me up with a set of headphones so I can listen to Nemo's all-new app-minute podcast. 
Make sure you guys go to techfanpodcast.com for all the show notes, links. Uh, I'll put a link in for Emergency as well as Field Runners 2. Now, hopefully, those links will take you to your country of origin's iTunes store. Um, you know, David, iTunes is actually pretty good about redirecting people in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but speaking of iTunes, if you remember a couple episodes ago, Tom Ingle sent us an email with problems he was having with his podcast, the Explorers podcast. Actually, wasn't that last week? Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. It's been a trying week for me. Um, and it turns out it looks like the problem is, in fact, somewhere in iTunes because in Downcast, it works fine. It, it shows up as uh, English-speaking language in the correct order. The timestamps all work. So it doesn't sound like the, the issue is in his RSS feed. It's something screwed up with iTunes. Well, well, I mean, kind of yes and no. I mean, my reading of that is that uh, Downcast is, is probably rendering his RSS feed properly. But clearly, when you go into the iTunes app, it's rendering your RSS feed. And there could still be something in his feed that iTunes doesn't like, and that's why it's going all kind of weird. Well, the thing is, iTunes has their own specifications for podcasters when it comes to RSS feeds. And that's kind of... The whole point of RSS, <clears throat> for those who don't know, RSS is really simple syndication. And it allows people to subscribe to your RSS feed to get the latest and greatest updates. Uh, podcasting is simply an enclosure within an RSS feed. Thus, you get that enclosure, in this case, uh, an audio file. And that's what iTunes is reading. But yeah. iTunes has gone and fiddled with things. And kind of made their own, this is how we want to see your feed. And if you don't follow it exactly, you're going to have problems. In fact, I had a big problem when Three Geeky Ladies came out. Uh, I submitted it to the iTunes store. And it did not like it. Uh, iTunes kept kicking it back at me, saying it's got problems with this and this and this. And uh, it just would not work. But... The thing was, I was using a template from actually TechFan, which I know worked, which is what I used to submit our podcast to iTunes originally. So it was working fine there. Why wasn't yeah. it working fine here? Well, because iTunes made some changes, and they keep breaking what they're supposed to do, which is standards, which is this is how RSS enclosures and feeds work. iTunes simply use this standard but they're not doing that they're changing things but well, do, do you have any view on why they change things no no idea it, it kind of ticks me off but i don't know it, it's it's i i have to imagine they're doing it because they want the best experience people can get on itunes yeah. And RSS is a little bit limiting. But I don't see any big changes within iTunes that would justify messing about with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and you know, it's it's not it it's certainly not um iTunes is not so it doesn't make it so easy to find stuff that um, you you know you'd you'd think the overall experience would be improving if if they were constantly making these changes in the interest of of you know of uh, improving the experience, but <laughs> the experience says, appears to say pretty much the same for everyone. I don't know. Yeah, I wish you all the best, Tom. Um, I'm not quite sure how I could help beyond looking at your RSS feed, but if it's working in Downcast, the only thing I could suggest is look for any changes that apple has requested and in podcasters and uh maybe you'll find your answer there and and you know i think i think one one piece of advice we gave last week was you know promote your podcast in as many places as possible and don't use itunes as the kind of the gatekeepers your podcast right have it that have it there as as a um as a way of people, you know, people who want to who want to do that, uh, do it. But uh, you can import any 
RSS feed into the iTunes application. So promote your RSS feed and your uh, subscription model completely separately from iTunes as much as possible. Don't send people to iTunes and, and say, search for the podcast and subscribe. Just give them the RSS feed and let them get on with it. Yep. You can also join a network, um, kind of like you, you could join our network here at Stoplight Network. Uh, but joining a network uh, similar to this one is a good way to kind of promote your podcast to people who are already listening to podcasts. Um, our network, for instance, the only requirements that we have is you play uh, another ad from another show on the podcast on, on the network. Uh, not saying you have to play paid ads, but you do have to play at least one ad from another show on the network. In other words, you're promoting another show, and they're all pre-recorded, and we use Dropbox to to share our files. And you put a little bumper saying that you're part of the Stoplight Network. That's it. And obviously, you want to record an ad, so the other shows will promote your show. Um, or you could just email, and Dave and I could talk about it for five minutes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we did get another feedback. Um, probably our most prolific, prolific. I can't talk today. I'm I'm stupid. Um, feedbacker. Yeah. Uh, Peter Bird. And uh, Peter says he uh, he went and checked out the TV show that I was talking about last week, and that was the newsroom, and uh, he liked it. Um, but he thinks it's really sad what we said about journalism, but he agreed with us, and that you know if you want important news or or true honest opinion with no agenda, you have to search for it, which is not the way it should be. Um, but he thinks it's refreshing the way MyMac does things, and uh, he hopes that more journalists and bloggers would follow suit with ethics and honesty. And uh, I second those thoughts. I wish I wish Definitely. more of them did that. One of the tech websites out there that I think does do a good job, David, is The Verge. They're a uh, yeah. fairly new website. I think they've maybe a year old at this point. Maybe. Um, they came from, I believe, Engadget, didn't they? They did. I, I think it was after AOL took Engadget over, some of the guys left and set the version up. They do a good job. They get they get really good stories. They get some in-depth articles, and they seem to be pretty fair and balanced. Yep. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the better ones out there. I also like Ars Technica, which is, uh, is a great site. Much more in-depth than, than many tech sites, but none the worse for that. You know, I, 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 you know, and they've been doing it for a long time. Um, 19, knocking 1998. Stuff over my test. Yeah. Yeah, 1998 they saw it. They've been doing it three years less than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm not kidding, but, you know, that means nothing. They do yeah. a much better job. Uh, I like the technologizer, but it kind of went away. They're part of time.com now, Harry McCracken and company, and they're still doing a really good job. They, they don't post to uh, that website with, yeah, sometimes it's it's a day or two before a new article will go up, but it's yeah. almost always a really good article, and uh, it's still the technologizer, even though it's part of Time dot com. It's still definitely Harry McCracken running that ship. Yep, and that's a good thing. So while you know it, it's easy to to point fingers and and say they're doing a bad job and they're doing a bad job and things are getting worse. Sometimes you do have to step back and look at the ones that are doing a good job and point them out. Definitely. You know, so well, Harry's a good example because there was that, you know, he used to work for PC Magazine. There was that great big fuss when um, the uh, people who were controlling the advertising side trying to interfere with the editorial content, and that's one of the reasons he left. Yep. And that shows integrity. Yeah. And that absolutely. means I'm going to visit and. And partake in his new ventures because that's someone I want to support. And, yeah. I, you know, look, I think it's great that Time Magazine and Time.com bought him out and uh, made him an employee. But I think the only reason they did that is because here's somebody with integrity. Yes, obviously he brings an audience with him, but he also has integrity. And I, that's something about Time that I've always just assumed that they seem to have integrity. I, I don't remember any scandals that Time has gone through. No, other than the on, other than the the person of the year thing, they catch a little flack from that occasionally. But other than that, I mean, 
they seem to be a pretty upstanding magazine. Yeah. And so I think they're better because they have someone like Carrie. So did you see uh, Nokia just posted a $1 billion operating loss? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, actually. We, we've been having some debate in our business about RIM and um, what we advise our customers about RIM, um, you know, with their latest results. But uh, it shows where Nokia is that during that conversation, we never even considered Nokia as a platform we should be talking about um, as, you know, something whether we do or don't recommend it to our clients. I mean, it, Nokia is not a platform. It used to be a platform, but it's not a platform anymore. No. It's now just demoted itself to a, a hardware manufacturer and, um, you know, pretty much an also-ran hardware manufacturer at this point. Well, their, their hardware I, itself is, is used to be top of the line, and I still think it's pretty decent. I mean, I well, would put them a bit, uh, ahead of some of the Android devices that I've seen. Yeah, but the problem is, is, is the mobile phone industry used to be all about the hardware and the software that the phones ran was like a secondary thing. Um, it was all about how good the hardware was and that's when Nokia was king. And I'm saying this to somebody who lives in Europe where Nokia was always much bigger than it wasn't even in the States. Yeah. Um, but they've really, you know, they've really fallen through the floor and, and they're really struggling to get back. This tie-up with Microsoft is their last bet. Um, and I don't think Microsoft is really helping them out because, you know, they they invested a lot in Windows Phone 7, uh, and Microsoft just recently announced that, you know, well, thanks thanks very much for everyone who bought those seven devices, but um, here's Windows Phone 8 now, and you know what? All those old phones don't work with it. So. And not only that, when it comes to the tablets, Microsoft's going to make their own tablet now. How yeah. long before they decide, you know what, the, the phones aren't taking off, we're going to make that too. I would be worried yeah. about that if I was a Windows 8 phone manufacturer, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. But you know, in, in some respects, I don't think the, I think the phone manufacturers only have themselves to play to blame for that because they've they've been adopting the PC crapware model for ages, um, where they literally take the phones and change them, put their own stuff on, um, put their own stuff front and center, uh, and then send the phones out and never update them. Um, so I don't blame Microsoft for wanting to do that, really, because obviously they've come to realize that they can't succeed by allowing the uh, phone carriers to control their destiny. Could you imagine going back in time to say, oh, I don't know, 2006, and looking at the applications that came on your flip phone and how difficult it was to install anything on it, and then look at it what it is now and realize that it wasn't the cell phone industry and it wasn't the cell phone manufacturers who did this. It was a computer company. It was Apple. Yeah. And and it seems to me that companies like Nokia just still doesn't get that. That that's where the now and the future is. And they're still living in the past. They just they just don't get it. I, I you would you do wonder how much the kind of the supplies in their ecosystem drive that as well. I mean, the carriers don't really want an Apple model right across the board because it cuts them completely out of the equation. You know, they're still they're still concerned that they they don't want to become pure data pipes, but they want to add some sort of um, well, something they perceive as value to the consumer experience, and they can't do that if they don't control some aspects of the phone, some aspects of the hardware. Um, some aspects of the software experience. I mean, look, there was an announcement just uh, just the other day that um, with iOS 6, which is going to allow FaceTime over 3G, AT&T are already making noises saying, oh, yeah, we're going to charge you for that. And then you see uh, in other companies like Sprint saying, no, we won't. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but that's that's exactly the kind of... Well, we've talked before about you know my, how I feel that, that many companies treat their customers with contempt, and that's that's precisely the sort of thing that goes that goes along. You know, they they sell you access to something, uh, and then they treat it like it's so precious that you can't use it for what you've paid for. And if you want to, you know, do anything apart from a very narrow set of things they've defined, they say, okay, well that that'll be extra. It is sad and it's frustrating and. As time goes on, I think those customers uh, are going to find other carriers to move towards because they don't want to be treated like crap. 
Well, that, that, this is one of the things that Nokia and RIM and companies like that are facing, is the fact that they have, they have treated their customers poorly with poor designs, poor updates, uh, and cu- so customers have gone somewhere else, and now they can't get them back. Um, you know, Nokia is, at this point is, is really facing the prospect of becoming a second-tier manufacturer where their biggest markets are the third world. Now, they can still make a lot of money doing that, but um, I can't see at this point them coming back to be as dominant as they were in, in, in the major US and European markets. Um, not unless they do something really radical. And uh, radical just doesn't seem to be the order of the day for these guys. So uh, ex-Google employee, and she was pretty high-ranking at Google. Uh, some say she was kind of responsible for the look and feel of Google uh, up till about a year, a couple years ago has uh, joined Yahoo. Her name is Marissa Mayer, and she is now the CEO at Yahoo. And uh, a lot of people are wondering if if she's going to be able to turn it around. I think that uh, that's going to be a challenging position, but I don't see Yahoo in an untenable position, David. They're still right there. I mean, they've got some key partnerships with Apple, for instance, providing data content on uh, iOS that traditionally had been Google, but, of course, Apple and Google are locked in this fierce battle, and and Yahoo is now providing that content. Um, what do you think about this? What do you think Yahoo needs to do? And, and look, I, and I'm not saying that they're doing a bad job already. Uh, they're number two, and I would love to be number two in, a, <laughs> in that industry. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah... I, there's a perception out there, if you're not number one, you're failing at something, which I think is totally inaccurate and, and kind of a gross assessment, but it is what it is. What do you think that she needs to do as the new CEO of Yahoo? Where do you think she should take this company? Well, I, th- I, don't, I don't know where she needs to take it, but I'm sure what she, she will be thinking is, is trying to define what Yahoo is, because I've got to admit, I'm, we're having this conversation, I'm not really sure what Yahoo is meant to be anymore. No. I, know what I, I know what it used to be. But it's it's not that anymore. I mean, in terms of search, they've been you know so uh, the, Google's just run rings out around them. Now, now you know they're kind of they're a they're a services platform that that um, sells ads in much the same way Google does. But what does that really mean? I think what they need to do is they need to find some focus, uh, and then they need to work pretty hard at, at you know whatever they're focusing on. You know, uh, they they succeed. went on an eight year seven eight year spending spree. To buy some of the, at the time, the hottest, newest technology websites out there, Flickr and stuff like that, and, and and delicious, and they completely dropped the ball on almost all of them. Yeah. Um, who uses Flickr anymore? I don't. Oh well, I don't know. I I don't know when. I think there is a there is a group of people who use Flickr, but by the same same token i think flickr is still something that professional photographers like to use um the difficulty with flickr is that uh, the some of the issues it has have never been addressed right they've never taken seriously the uh, issue of people stealing content from it no nope. um you know they've never done anything about that there's a lot of stuff kind of around the edges of flickr that um doesn't really fit and yet it's still there and then the website but in terms of how Flickr works itself. I mean, the it's design atrocious. Moved, on, moved on for ages. Yeah, it really needs a, you know, much more modernization. Um, uh, and, you know, there's no decent apps for Flickr anymore. Um, you know, there's plenty of apps for other services, but not for Flickr. I mean, Flickr really should have become the Dropbox of photos. Uh, no, I disagree. You know what it should have been? It should have been the social media site for photos. It should have been user contributed and commenting it should have been like twitter but for photos yeah that's what it should have been um i actually talked to uh somebody a number of years ago when twitter first came out and uh not it was david avery and we actually talked about launching a website that would be like twitter but it would be photos that you would take photos on your phone on your iphone this of course was uh, before the company that just got bought out <laughs> by uh, yeah. Facebook. Um, wh- wh- why am I drawing a blank on them? Uh, Instagram. Yeah. So the idea was 
uh, there would be a web interface, but there would also be an app on your phone that you would take a picture, you would upload it, people would subscribe to yours, and you would subscribe to theirs, and you could comment on it. So when you go to the website or launch the app, the first thing you would see is your feed and the different pictures in that feed. And you, you know, you'd see thumbnail and you click it and you get the full size version on your phone or in the same thing on the website, you just hover over it and the picture would get bigger. And I thought that would be a cool idea. Now, of course we never, we never ran with it. Uh, David got a job at Adobe and, uh, I robbed that bank and went to jail for a decade. But, hmm. um, I, I think that that's what Flickr, they could still become that too. They could have you know regular Flickr and then like Flickr Pro for the the professional people. Um, I think that I, there's still not a good way to do what I just described, David. There's still no. not a site that you just go to and it's just pictures and people commenting on pictures. That that would be cool with the controls that you have on Twitter, i.e., you only see the people you subscribe to. You can report the spammers or the what's I don't know other than spammers. What would it be there the porno people? Yeah. Um, but you're, you're only going to see the ones that you want to see. Yeah, I mean, Flickr kind of has the basis of all of that there. It just needs kind of bringing up to date and bringing out. But I, I, I mean, first first thing I'd say to them is is stop going out buying stuff. <laughs> you know, I'd, and I say that to everybody in the tech industry right now because there are a lot of people out there who are building up um, new sites and new services not because they want to develop them into something you know um, financially successful or anything they're building them up just so that somebody bigger will come along and buy them and they'll get a payout and of course there's no wonder then that what happens is when the big company acquires those things the original creators drift away with their millions of dollars and then the thing kind of withers on the vine because uh, you know integrating stuff into other services is hard so, uh, you know, I'd say to all the tech industries, just stop buying other things and concentrate on innovating yourself. Or if you do buy something, make sure that you've got a plan before you buy it about what you're going to do with it. Don't kind of say, all right, we just spent a billion dollars on this. What do we do with it now? I was looking to see if I could find some email back and forth between uh, David Avery and myself because I actually went and registered a site and everything. And uh, I'm not finding it. Let me see. And it's kind of sad because I think we had a good idea. Oh, I found it. Um, we actually were recruiting another person, Owen Rubin, for the idea. This was back in 2008. Uh, and it was called slippick.com. S-L-I-P-P-I-C.com. And... Uh, that's exactly what it was. It was going to be a Twitter for photos. I still think it's a good idea. I think. Uh, yeah. I don't think I renewed the website. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of slip pick was you 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 slip your pics out there onto your app and it goes out to the whole world. But um, yeah, the best light plans, right? Yeah. So there's a good idea if somebody out there is looking to start a business. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just remember where you got it from. Um, I'll be I'll be happy to be the CEO of the company. You guys just do all the work. I'll make the decisions and get the promotion going and all that. <laughs> uh, take the money. Take the money. Nah, I'll take yeah ten percent. Yeah, I don't know what the business model is there, other than advertising, but uh, this, that kind of seems to be the the business model for a lot of companies. It's definitely the the business model for Google and Facebook. And Twitter and ad nauseum. Uh, yeah, emphasis on the nauseum. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I'm starting to feel that there's too much advertising in the internet now. You think? It's it's been like that for a long time, though. Let's be no, honest. but it's got, it's kind of getting out of control now. I mean, I think there's too much advertising anywhere, everywhere. Um, there's this have been the whole fuss with the Olympics happening here about you know the control that the International Olympic Committee and uh, LOCOG, the uh, London Organising Committee of the Olympic Games, has over promotional 
promotional stuff and the kind of the asinine rules they have. For instance, I saw a story in the BBC the other day that apparently the policemen who've been drafted in to help provide security at the Olympics have been told that because they might appear on camera, they should, if they're carrying any lunches, such as uh, potato chips or... uh, or sandwiches or anything like that, that they have to empty them into uh, clear, transparent plastic bags so there's no branded logos on the wrapping uh, that might be seen on TV. And you just hear that, you think, please. Yeah. You know, That's taking douchebaggery to a whole new level. Exactly. And what is, what is the Olympics sponsored by? You know, this great paragon of sporting excellence. It's sponsored by Coca-Cola, Cadbury's Chocolate, and McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and apparently all the food in the Olympic Village is fast food. And, really? Um, yeah. Well, that'll make them Olympic gold medal champions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I, the advertising industry, you know, we we need to be advertised to, but I, sometimes I think the 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 labeling, the promotion, um, has just got a bit out of control. Just a bit. Well, here's a here's a fun idea you guys can uh, do with friends and family who have Macs or iPads, the iPad 2 or newer. I did this with the uh, MyMac.com staff, and I kicked it off with uh, take a fun picture of yourself using Photo Booth with all the different, you know, warps and filters and all that stuff, and send it on the staff emailing list. And quite a few people have done it. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of a fun little thing to do, you know? Yeah. In, in, In a... In a day of tedious boredom, take a quick picture, warp your face a little bit, and send it to your friends and family, and encourage them to do the same thing. You get some fun photos, you get a smile, and at the end of the day, David, just getting a nice little fun smile from somebody, isn't that worth it? Definitely. I think so. Um, If you want to see the picture that I sent... Uh, I used it as my profile picture on Facebook. Simply go to facebook.com slash mymac, M-Y-M-A-C. Well, why, don't, why don't you use it as the uh, show graphic this it's, week? I don't, I don't want to scare people. <laughs> okay, I'll I, I use this as a show graphic. So if you're listening to this on your iPhone, the cover graphic is the picture I just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea. So, David, we should probably wrap this episode up. We went long this week. We'll go a little bit short this week. Keep it under 50 minutes or so. Um, where can people find you on uh, the aforementioned Twitter? Uh, nowhere. I'm giving it up. Are you? I don't blame me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm David B. Cohen. And you're not, a, you're not a Facebooker? You're not a Google Pluser? No, not, not officially. Not officially. You, you actually post a lot more on Twitter than I do. I'm I'm lucky if I post one thing a week on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, and let let me set some expectations here. A lot of the stuff I post on Twitter is fairly random. Um, it's not all you know, tech links and stuff like that, which is probably the sort of stuff I should post. But you know, there'll be a lot of weird stuff on there. I think you um, just described Twitter. <laughs> probably, but you know what? I'm always I'm always willing to have a conversation. So uh, anybody wants to. Uh, at David B. Cohen to me, and then uh, I'll talk to you. Uh, we want to thank Scott Wilsey for sending in that feedback that we played right at the top of the show. Make sure you check out his podcast. It's at pocketsizedpodcast.com. It's a really great podcast. I bet he talks about emergency here soon because he's always looking for apps to talk about. And there you go, Scott. Emergency is a really cool app. Simply go up to appminute.com. Find show number 231. It's the top show right now up there at the moment. Um, follow the link and download it in iTunes. It's worth every penny. It's fun. Uh, Scott or Peter Bird, obviously, thank you very much for the feedback. We're always looking for feedback from you, the listeners. We'll read it right here on the show. Go to techfanpodcast.com. Click the button that says Contact Us. Type in your whatever. Hit Submit, and it'll come to David and I. And if you're going to be up there anyways, look at that, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. If you're going to be up at techfanpodcast.com anyways, or mymac.com, there's a link to Amazon. If you click that and purchase whatever you were going to purchase at Amazon anyways, you'll help us out big time. And as a matter of fact, if you follow that link, as soon as you get to Amazon, make a bookmark and just keep that bookmark handy. Anytime you're going to 
buy something on Amazon, use that bookmark because it shows that the referral is from TechFanPodcast or MyMac.com or AppMinute.com. There's another one. It's got the same banner up there. Um, follow that, and uh, we'll get a little bit of a, a little bit of a taste. Yeah, that, let's just let's just make let's just set the scope of this out a little bit. Yeah, in case you think that we're living an indolent life of luxury on the back of uh, Amazon affiliate referrals, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you you probably yeah every couple of months Tim probably gets not to buy a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, about that. Actually, what was it? It was uh, not, I think it was last month. I had I made enough. Uh, and I converted it over to uh, – I have to change my banking information there because it was going to a bank that I stopped using. And I think they, yeah. they were sending money to it. And the bank's like, oh, I haven't seen any money. Yeah, sure mm-hmm. you haven't. Um, I had that money converted over to like a gift certificate. But that's only good on Amazon. Yeah. And so that's what I used to buy the uh, Batman 2 Lego game that my wife and kids have been playing. <laughs> So you, you guys are uh, uh, supporting their Lego addiction. <laughs> At least you did last month. But with that, we're going to wrap up uh, this episode of Tech Fan number 86. David and I should be back next week. And uh, if you guys see some tech news uh, or, I don't know, views of somebody and you want us to talk about it or you've got your own opinion, send us feedback. We'd love to hear it. Right, David? Yeah, definitely. If there's something that's bugging you, even if it's not, I mean, we're, we're not really a news news show, so it doesn't have to be news. If it's something you just want to talk about or hear what our views are, just let us know. And remember, we love talking about the history of tech. So if there's something out there that you'd like us to kind of riff on for a while, maybe your your favorite gaming system, your your favorite Walkman of all time, I don't care what it is, send us feedback. We'll talk about it. We're Dave and I are pretty diverse about stuff like that. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show. And um, I, hey, real quick, David, Batman this weekend? Are you going? Uh, it's out here. Um, it's not out here this weekend. It doesn't come out here till next Friday, a uh, week tomorrow. Um, but I'm hoping to get to see it in a preview uh, a week today, Thursday. So um, hopefully I'll have seen it by then. I did go see Spider Man. Enjoyed that. It, yeah, um, but I'm sure that Batman's going to be uh, pretty good. Chad Chad Perry said the same thing because he heard me kind of saying I don't care about the new Spider-Man. He said he went and saw it and uh, he really liked it. So, ah, I'm still eh about it. You know, I eh, I just don't care. But Batman, yeah. on the other hand, the first two movies were so fantastic. Um, I'm definitely there. I think, in fact, Chad Perry and I are going to go probably Saturday. Cause cool. Because tomorrow, the day we usually record Tech Fan on, I'll actually be in Detroit. So, um, yeah, not going to catch it opening night, but that's kind of a good thing because, you know, it's going to be really crowded. So hopefully a matinee on Saturday will be a little bit less of a crowd and I can enjoy it more. Because I hate going to the theaters because there's just too many idiots talking, playing on their cell phone. Are you going to do the 3D thing or the IMAX thing? There is no uh, 3D for Batman. No 3D? No, Christopher Nolan said he is not doing 3D. Thank good. Oh, that's what a lot of people said. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I think it's going to be a fantastic movie. As long as I'm entertained for a couple hours, I'll be happy. So, uh, thanks for entertaining me for a couple hours this week, David. <laughs> My pleasure. See you then. <laughs>